Before we dive right into this episode, I wanted to let you know about an awesome freebie we just created, a shot list template. I am a big fan of good photography for any brand, and shot lists are basically the critical planning steps for any photography process. I like to think of a shot list as a way to capture your essence for the photographer. The photographer's job is to make sure you look like you, and your job is to give them the stage so that you can shine. You're probably investing good money into your photos, so you want to make sure that you're capturing every element of your brand while you've got the time with them. Unless you have a history with your photographer, they likely don't know much about you, so a shot list is a great way to get them up to speed. This template will help you lay it all out, location, actions, props, and so much more. Check it out for free at philp.al slash shotlist and take all the guesswork away for planning that photo shoot. Now, on to the show. Well, hello. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I'm Phil. And I'm Lauren. And this is the podcast where we help you position, build, and promote your brand. We are happy you're here. We have lots of fun on this little podcast of ours. And we talk with all different kinds of people. Today is a new conversation with a friend of ours. Oh my gosh, when I think about how many years I've known dear Conrad, it's wild. I remember once we met up in Stockholm, Sweden and had like this epic dinner. And I remember that he ate reindeer. Why do I remember that? Do you remember that I was actually in Stockholm, Sweden with you that trip? No, I didn't. I didn't. Were you really? (laughs) I was there. When I went to meet Conrad. Didn't you um, record for the old podcast? Probably. Yeah, I think I did. Wow. And I remember you came back to... The Oster Mom. No, no, it wasn't Oster Mom. What's the name? Yadet. Yes. Very good Swedish accent. (laughs) Thank you. You came back to the Airbnb and you said, I just had the most epic meeting with the nicest guy that I remember it. It's true. Clear as true. Clear as day. He's nice. He's smart. I've got to tell you, even recently, I mean, think about when when all the odds are against you, right? Literally a brand. His app is so awesome. Trip Scout. It's like the odds are against you. We physically cannot travel right now. But he has had the most amazing, positive, fresh outlook on this concept that he created within his Facebook group and beyond travel from home and totally united like travelers right now, starting all kinds of conversations and creating amazing content that is so super cool. He's had a few videos into the millions of views in the last few weeks. And I think he's just a really interesting person for us to chat with. For sure. It's such a great episode talking about community building and really listening to your audience and adapting to your audience. I think people will really, really love it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Here's our conversation with Conrad. So here we are. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to. You know how you have those people in your life? Like, sure, maybe you've met them in real life once or twice, but they show up all the time online. And it feels like you're together with them a lot. And Conrad is one of those people. And I just love this. So if you think I travel a lot, well, wait until you meet my friend Conrad. So Conrad, do you actually travel more than Phil does? I probably have traveled more than Phil. You know, you have. 
a uh, hundred countries or so and many of those hundred? Many, many times. Yeah. Okay. Did you just witness <laughs> that? He just skips over it casually. A hundred, a hundred countries or so. Hello or so. That's so many. But lately, just looking at Phil on Instagram, I feel like he's he's living a better quarantine life than most of us. So yeah, than all of us, I think we can conclusively say. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I think one of my favorite DM conversations recently was uh, Phil had sent me you know a picture of him having a cocktail like poolside, and then I sent him back a picture of me hold, holding a beer with a one year old baby like crawling over my head, put, trying to get his hand into the beer. So I feel like that's a little bit more of my life. But yes, before COVID, uh, travel was something I did as much as possible. It's been a big part of my life. We actually met up in one of our favorite places, Lauren. I met up with Conrad in Stockholm. And we had this I remember great little this. dinner. Yes. yes. I remember hearing about this because I think, didn't you say in that meeting how much you loved Turkey? Was that, am I remembering this correctly? Was it Turkey I don't know, or but Egypt? I, do, I Egypt. do love Turkey and Egypt. I do love Egypt. I yeah. spent actually about two years of my life with e- Cairo, Egypt as my home base. Yes. Wow. So it is, uh, I think it's one of the most fascinating and interesting places in the world. And, you know, a lot of people go to Egypt because, you know, pyramids and Luxor and they, you know, they grew up wanting to see that. But there's just so much more beneath the surface when you go to Egypt. And like every time I felt like I knew the place, there's a whole new layer revealed. So I was traveling about half time, going to two to three countries a month. And but Egypt was my home base. And so yeah, I absolutely love that country and miss it dearly. But also Istanbul is one of my favorite cities in the world. So I could have said both Turkey or Egypt. There's so much to unpack here. I spoke in December at Rise Up conference in Cairo. And that was all thanks to Conrad. He made the introduction years ago. Oh, really? And I had a conflict. Yeah, I had a conflict the first time they approached me, thanks to him, because I was speaking in the UK at the same time. But it was so cool because they reached out to me within a month of me thinking about them and going, I need to make contact with them again. And it all happened. And I was so disappointed. I mean, I was thrilled to go to Cairo. I had an amazing time. What an amazing place. But Conrad wasn't living there anymore. And I was kind of bummed because I was so excited to get over there and see you and experience it with you. Yeah. And I, I spoke at that Rise Up Summit twice, two or three times. And I think it's one of the most one of the best run conferences in the world, not just the Middle East. And the thing the thing that I think most people don't realize is, so Egypt had a very inspiring revolution in 2011 that kind of didn't really go as anyone had hoped or planned long-term. And so after you know two attempts to try to reform the country, people just put down their protest signs and their flags and they picked up laptops, cameras, pens, paintbrushes and they became artists and entrepreneurs and creatives and entrepreneurs and it was so you just see such a inspiring movement where people are trying to make their country the country they want to live but doing it through a different channel which is a more creative and entrepreneurial channel and so you know there's just there's something there's something we don't appreciate you know living in a, you know in Europe or the US that I don't know, when, they, when they're when they starting a company or starting a creative pursuit, it means a little bit more. And it's a little bit more fresh to the, the revolutionary spirit. So when was the moment that you got into traveling? Like, was there a particular trip that just like set the course of your life? How far back can we go? <laughs> <All right. laughs> as far back it's, as you'd uh, like. <laughs> you, do you want to know that the moment that it all started for me, I was nine years old. 
both my parents were political refugees from Poland. They were part of the revolution, came to the U.S. My dad ended up moving back and most of my family lives in Poland. So I grew up splitting my time, like going back and forth. When my dad moved back, you know, the first time I visited him, you know, my mom dropped me off at the airport and there's some sort of escort service that picks kids up and makes sure they make their connection and get to their destination. And my dad was there when I arrived. And the very first time I did that, I was connecting in Amsterdam or Frankfurt and they put me in a little cubicle for my six hour layover with like four other kids. One kid was crying. One kid was sick as could be. And I just sat there for like six hours and I said, that was horrible. I'm never doing that again. So on my next flight, when we landed in Amsterdam on the connection, they said, okay, when we land, like wait here, an escort's going to come take you off the plane and uh, make sure you make your your, your connection. And I was like, I am not doing that again. So as soon as we landed, I found a couple that was walking off the plane and I just slipped right behind them oh like I was their kid. And, you know... People just assumed, oh yeah, that kid must be with that young, you know, young couple walking. And I was in the Amsterdam airport all by myself. And granted, it's a very international airport, so now it doesn't seem that exotic. But for a you know a nine or nine year old, like that was true freedom. You know, signs looked different, languages were different, smells and sounds were a little bit different. And I just felt like this is freedom. No one knows where I am. I'm in this foreign country. I was old enough to know that Amsterdam was kind of a crazy place. Didn't know why, but I just knew that. And so at that moment, I was like, that was cool. Like, I'm, uh, I'm kind of digging this travel thing. And so I've just had this, uh, this you know, unquenchable curiosity ever since and have, uh, in my adult life, have tried to travel as much as possible. Was the escort service freaking out because they lost you? No idea. <laughs> no. I mean, this <laughs> never heard. I mean, it was pretty... Like, I felt it was pretty simple. I just needed to find the letter and number that was my gate. So I had no idea what happened. It was pre-9-11, so I don't think anyone really cared about that much going on. So I doubt they even noticed. But yeah, ever since, I started traveling a lot. And then, uh, you know, I kind of got... I also work a ton. So I got, like, stuck in, like, kind of, like, working my ass off and hustling and, you know, building a business. And I kind of drifted away from it at one point. And then I had one project where... I was living in Chicago. It was the worst blizzard in Chicago history. I finished a project up at like 1130 at night. And I remember uh, signing off and I just thought to myself, like, wow, I could have been anywhere. Like as long as I was responding to emails and answering my phone, like I could have been anywhere in the world. So why am I stuck in Chicago in the worst blizzard in Chicago history? And this was before like digital nomad and remote year was really a thing. So I just went on a little experiment. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go try to do my work from Europe. For a little while. And that worked fine. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Middle East. That worked fine. So then I was like, ah, screw it. I flew to South Africa. And then I just started making my way up the Eastern coast of Africa. And uh, I think that's where like phase two of my travel addiction happened, where I realized like I could still work and be productive and have a really interesting life in the process. You're a trendsetter. You made that a thing before it was a thing. Don't know if I made it, but I definitely benefited. Well, you contributed. Yes. It's so cool. And actually, so you came to mind when Lauren and I were thinking, who could we talk to? Conversations that we haven't had yet, stuff that's totally different. You and I have so much to talk to solely based on travel alone, because it's just a part of what we do. And actually, it's funny how we do it differently. I tend to go to places and stay there longer. And yeah, if there's a pool and like a routine that I can try and get into, I will. 
Whereas you, I mean, having been to over a hundred countries, it's very much about like new and different cultures and all of that. It's part of it. I want to talk to you about business for a second because you, you came up in conversation, not about travel. You came up in conversation about someone who has very obviously built a niche and kind of you found your niche around a passion, but also a need in business. Can you talk us through how that kind of came about? When we first met, by the way, Lauren, I don't know if you know this, but I believe, Conrad, you were working for Speak, the teleconferencing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was the chief operating officer of Speak. Uh, that's how we yeah, met. I don't even know if you know that, but that's how you and I met because I used it. So funny. And so you've worked for companies and startups and all of this, and you've got an app, you've got technology. Like, how did you find your niche? And how did you kind of pair something you love to do, travel with something people need? How did that come about? You know, I had a lot of interest, but the two main things that were taking my time and attention and my passion was entrepreneurship and building businesses and, and trying to create something and then travel. And so I was traveling as much as I could. Every time I had an opportunity to work remotely or time in between things, I would always travel as much as possible. And after Speak was acquired, like I was sitting, I was thinking about it and I realized that those two things were often in conflict with each other. Like not totally, like there was some, you can have your life and your work. And, but, and many times, like if I was talking, I was either talking to someone about business or travel. I was either reading about business or travel. I was either, you know, in the shower thinking about my next trip or something about the world, or I was thinking about like what we should do with strategy or, you know, with the business. And I realized like, I don't want, any of I don't want pulling competing uh, demands on my my attention and my focus. And I realized like if those are the two things I am passionate about and I want to do, like I want to find a way to make them one thing so that I can dedicate all of my energy, all of my passion towards it. Yeah, and then you know I I also like sitting in both worlds. I feel like had insight into both worlds that maybe other people were missing. Maybe people who are deep into travel missed from the technology. Uh, side of the world and people that were deep in technology missed from the travel side of the world. So, you know, it was a combination of it was being true to myself and what I really wanted to dedicate time towards and unique insights that I had just being who I was and caring about the things I care about. You know, I, I think most people when they say like, well, how do you find your focus or find your niche? And I honestly think it's what's more important is just how do you get out of your own way? You know what your niche is. You know what your focus is. You know what you care about. I just think too often most people uh, try to be something they're not. They try to do something they, that they saw someone else do or something that they think is a smart idea rather than just go all in on what they're passionate about and do it that way. Kind of like listen to yourself and actually remove distractions. Also, don't try and do it overnight, but like actually... Like start by giving yourself permission to spend time on you instead of being so quick to give your attention to everything else that's demanding it. Like sit with yourself, take inventory of yourself, think about what is it you like to do and actually get out of your own way is your point. Absolutely. And, and I think the word passion, I think is like an often a misused word because if I was just passionate about travel, starting a business and travel would have been the worst thing to do. 
because I wouldn't be passionate about the business side. I would just be passionate about traveling. And if that was the case, and that was my only passion, I would say, find a job that maximizes income and minimizes time so you can just, and has the most flexible vacation so you can just travel, right? It's, it's you know, when you talk about when, you know, there's the example of if someone loves surfing, they should not open up a surf shop because a surf shop is selling, marketing, managing, hiring, all of those things that are not surfing, right? If you love surfing, you should just go find a way to surf more. But for me, yeah, I love the business side and I love the travel side. And so I wanted to go all in on both. It seems to me like you did a really good job of connecting the dots too. I'm thinking if someone's, I don't know, let's say they work for a car dealership, but they're really passionate about drawing, then it might make sense for them to like find a way to connect other artists with sellers or start like a more of an affordable art gallery or something like that. Like it's it's so interesting how you were like, I think a lot about business. I think a lot about travel. Now I'm going to connect the two, but in a way that won't take away my joy of travel. Yeah. Like no, you won't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, a lot of it, you know, that was happening at the same time where it's like, I also, I have this desire to just create things that I want to see in the world. And the thing that frustrated me the most was that if you, if you look at travel, like our relationship with travel has changed significantly over the last 10 to 20 years. Why we travel, how we travel, what we hope to do when we're there, what we hope to get out of the experience, how we share those experiences with our friends. Like all of that looks radically different. Yet every single product and service we use along the way is the exact same it's been for 20 years since it first came onto the internet. You know, with the exception of you might book an Airbnb or you might take an Uber from the airport, nothing else has fundamentally changed. And so nothing was being built for about our generation. And I wanted to lead that, you know, lead that evolution. Well, I was just wondering when you were coming up with the idea for Trip Scout or the direction for Trip Scout, was it like a single idea that you finessed? Or did you, are you the type of person who has like a running list of a bunch of ideas and observations, and then you decide like what to go in on? Good question. I think that most ideas in their original form are absolutely garbage and inaccurate. And so I'm a big believer that you sure you pick a thesis on where on the world or on your industry. And then the best and most important thing you can do is find the simplest way to get something live and in the hands of customers. It doesn't even have to be what your full idea is just like something, a minimum viable product that gets something out in front of people and learn as much as you can. So for, you know, my thesis started with the whole, like, nothing was built for this generation of travelers, how we're actually traveling. And so my co-founder and I put together a very basic MVP of just, we did self-guided audio tours and we just picked a couple cities. And it, that wasn't at all by any means like a venture-backed multi-billion dollar idea. That was just something that got people, got something in the hands of customers. And I think looking back, I would have gone even way simpler than that. But we did something pretty nuts that turned out to be pivotal. We then gave our personal cell phone number to every single person who signed up. Wow. And every single person who downloaded our app and signed up got a message that said, Hey, I've traveled a bunch. Like I love travel. You know, here's who I am. If you're ever planning a trip, going on a trip, coming back from a trip, anything, just text me, call me, email me anytime. I would love to be here to help. And it wasn't like a Google voice number. It was like the actual cell phone number I still have today. And it made me super annoying to live with for my wife, but it gave us insight 
into the psychology and the behavior of the modern traveler more than anyone else. I mean, 250,000 people had my personal cell phone number. And I guarantee you, none of our competitors were doing that. So yeah, I am, and that is shaped like, and then we start building more things and we start iterating and like, you know, yeah, we have a long list of ideas and we start finding ways to test it. So yes, I finding the simplest way to get something in the hands of customers and then just being deeply engaged with that person. I think there are two reasons that people fail when they start a business is like one is there's all this productive procrastination. So in the beginning, they like to think about like, oh, well, should I trademark this? Should I do this? Should I build this, get this pen? Should I like spend, like they spend hours like or days or weeks or months on their name and their logo and all these things, which those things are important and have a place, but like you don't even know yet what you're building. So they spend all that time as opposed to just getting something out there because it's hard to put yourself out there, right? Especially when you know it's not your best work. It's just like your MVP. You're saying, so here's something and you don't want to be judged for it. So that's hard. So people avoid it. And then the second thing is picking up the phone and talking to customers is also uncomfortable. And so people avoid that and they just rely on their own, like their own thought and their own idea, but they're just, they're just one person. So yeah, those are, I think, my two biggest things that you have to have to realize when you're, when you're launching something. I love it. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Time for a little break in this amazing conversation with our friend Conrad. Let's talk about a few things that we have in the works. This was a big summer for us, launching three courses, Content Mastery, Email Mastery, Instagram Mastery. And we got a good question actually from a podcast listener that came in on Instagram yesterday. And she said, Phil, is your Instagram course still relevant with Reels launching? And I replied, yes. It's more relevant now than ever. We're actually adding a module to um, Instagram Mastery and updating the other courses. That's the joy of this is we keep them fresh and they're new. And if you're hoping to up your game with email marketing, with Instagram, with your content strategy as a whole, then I recommend you check out our courses, Content Mastery, Email Mastery, Instagram Mastery. And as a dedicated, amazing loyal podcast listener, you get a promo code. Therapy50 will get you 50% off any of those courses should you choose to join them. Normally, they're $2.99, but you get it for less than $150. So Therapy50 will get you, you know, a good little deal on the promos of the courses. Yeah. And we love deals here at Brand Therapy. We certainly do. We love a good deal, don't we? Ooh, discount value, baby. I like never buy anything at full price. No, Do I don't either. No, why would you? Well, that's us. I mean, do you have anything else to say? <laughs> that's it. That's all I'm contributing to this mid-roll. Let's get back to the episode. Let's get back to this great conversation. I love Conrad. Let's keep it going. Conrad, you gave your personal cell phone number to this community that you were building. So if you were to be giving advice to one of our listeners on how to build a community, would it be that like personal accessibility? Yeah, I think it's just you have to care very deeply about you know your customer, your user, or whatever it is. And you have to have a giver mentality. You have to say, how can I solve problems for you? As opposed to think, how can I do something that benefits me? 
and it might sound simple, but when you really unpack a lot of people's ideas, they usually are like, hey, I think I have something someone could pay me for, as opposed to saying, I know this is something that someone else wants. So yeah, I would absolutely just think about it from the perspective of problems and make yourself really accessible and do all the hard stuff that you really want to avoid because that's the way you're going to really find out what the pain points and what the problems are. And because what people tell you too, like if you send out a survey or you ask a few people, it's usually not the real answer. If you say, what do you want from a travel product? They'll tell you something. And then you'll, you have to say why. And then why that, why again, and why again? And what if you didn't have that? And like, you have to really dig to find, to really get to the psychology. Because most people, you know, most people are very bad, a very bad judge of what they actually want and what they'll actually do. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to answer that survey, almost like they're trying to do a test correctly in a way. It's like they're answering with the answers they think you want to hear, not necessarily what. Oh, totally. Especially, especially if it's someone you care about, like, Sharing your idea with like a friend or family member or person you meet at a party, they're all going to say, wow, that's great. You know, like, <laughs> I would love that. I would totally use that. And then you'd be like, cool. Can you give me five bucks for it? And they'll say, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if I have the time. Like, it's, you have to just, you have to yeah. get into the hands of real, real customers. I'm such a fan of the app. I think it's so cool because it's so personalized. Not that I like came on here to like, advertise for you, but I'm going to do it. The app is awesome. This episode is sponsored. Yeah, by, this episode yeah. is sponsored. But <laughs> the app is awesome because it's personalized. And I think so much of that is a result of you listening and being obsessed with listening and researching to get the answer of what people actually want. You said something a few minutes ago. You said travel has changed so dramatically in the last 10 to 20 years, our relationship with travel. Well, our relationship with travel has changed in the last three months. Let's talk about that for a second. Because the second reason I wanted to talk to you today, the first was talking about niching and kind of hear your story. And also, how rare is it to talk to someone who had an idea for an app and is now at the place that you are? I mean, I can't think of anyone else. Everyone has an idea for an app. Oh my God, they are going to solve the world's problems with an app. And how many people actually go and do it? And years later, iterations, et cetera, 250,000 people with your cell phone number later, you know, like very few people do it. So I'm interested in how you've, I'm going to use the P word, pivoted, how you've built community when no one is traveling. So once the pandemic started, the first instinct is to how do you survive? Right. So we did a whole bunch of decisions that were like, we have no idea how bad this is going to be, how long this is going to last, but we know it's not good. Let's make sure we outlast this pandemic. And I mean, we were the nut, like, you know, we raised a round of venture capital and we were about to raise our second round. And like our numbers were just like going, you know, through the roof. Like engagement was great. We were the number one ranked at trip planning and travel entertainment app. When it comes to content, we were actually ranking above Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, like USA Today, People Magazine. So like going really well. And then all of a sudden, like March 1 happened. And I think people weren't really taking it that seriously. And they were seeing the flight deal. So like ticked up even more. And then like March 2nd, it was just like a straight free fall. And so, you know, we quickly went into survival mode and we said, okay, what do we got to do to make sure we outlast this, however long that is? But once we once we did that, it's like that was like a couple of days of quick decisions, and we're like, okay, forget survive. Like, how do we thrive? 
this is probably anytime there's a big disruption, it creates opportunity. And if you, you know, there's this, you know, one old business quote who that said like, you know, a crisis will kill a bad company, a good company will survive it, but great companies like become defined by it. And so we, we really wanted to uh, make sure that like, you know, we were, and I think this is also goes personally, like in, in a personal crisis, like during COVID, it's like you have more opportunity to love others, to help others, to give others to people. And you have ways to be proud of yourself as opposed to just like hunkering down with your like cans of beans and rice. So we really took that perspective, like how do we thrive? But then what we saw, like that was going on from a business perspective, but then from a community and just personal perspective, we just saw all those people who we were deeply engaged with as our users, you know, a lot of them who had my personal cell phone number. We just saw two things, like we just saw a lot of fear happening and we saw a lot of restlessness. Like, oh my gosh, am I going to stuck in my house for a long time? Uh, we saw a lot of loneliness where people are stuck in their house by themselves. And we were like, look, we can't do anything about the physical crisis except encouraging people to stay home. And, you know, we were, you know, very early for the, every travel company eventually did this, but very early on, we're like, guys, stop traveling. It's just not the right thing for the world. As travelers, we should be aware of other people and what they're going through around the world. So even if you're young and healthy, stay at home. And in hindsight, that seems very obvious. But at the time, you know, even a lot of our investors or partners were just like, why, why, would, you, why would you be encouraging that? So we, we did that. And then we realized we can't do anything for the physical crisis besides that, but the mental health crisis that's coming from that restlessness and loneliness, that's something we could do, we could help with. And so it really started just from like a, a genuine desire to help some of our friends and to also help our, ourselves. And we said, okay, the reason we love travel, connecting with other people, learning about different cultures, getting out of your comfort zone, trying new things, eating new things, like there's nothing that physical about it. Like you could do all of those things at home. So we started, we launched this uh, travel from home movement and community and Facebook group. Oh, I was and in the video. Just, I was in the video. I made a cameo oh, yes, in the yes, video. Bill. Oh, I know all about that, it, honey. Yeah. And we just tried to do that. We said, let's connect with people from all over the world. Let's come up with great things to just also entertain ourselves, to teach us about stuff. And, and then we started, we started doing a lot of virtual events and virtual happy hours. And then we started bringing in kind of who's who of travel, like the, you know, Andrew Zimmern and Chris Burkhardt and Nas Daily. Still my beating heart. I love Andrew. (laughs) He's he's amazing. Uh, And we had these events, like these just like basically these, you know, these live virtual events. And we were doing, you know, three a week for most weeks and uh, having happy hours afterwards. And it it just built a real sense of community. And I I actually looked looked at the, the group and we had, we had people from over 115 countries. And so, and I started looking at that because, you know, as I was thinking about, how we can make sure we have a diverse voice, um, you know, given how much great conversations going on. And I was like, for true diversity, like I want every, I want someone from everywhere in the world. And so we started looking and we had, you know, we had over half the world represented and we were like, let's try to get every country. Obviously, you know, North Korea and Vatican city might be a little hard to get someone, but we, it was, it was really great. Like we, we were doing these travel roulettes where you just get randomly pinned with one other person and, you know, you just hop on a personal Zoom with someone and it was, it was, it was really fun. And, you know, I think through that, we're able to build a, a very meaningful community that, frankly, I wish we would have done regardless of COVID. Like, it is one of the coolest things for us personally. It's cool. One of the coolest things for the business and probably never would have 
thought of it had uh, had everything been going, you know, up and to the right and all, all great like, uh, like it was a few months before. What's been the most important business lesson or let's just say lesson you've learned in the last five years? Is there one thing that comes to mind when you think about all of this, what you've built and what you continue to build when the odds are against you? Could you kind of narrow that down to one thing for us? The thing that comes to mind, and it's 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 not really one thing. It's more of like a, a three part, but it's it's all uniform. Is and we talked a little bit about it earlier. One, find the quickest way to get started. Just get something out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be your full vision. Just get something in the hands of the people you're trying to help. And two, become passionately obsessed with that person with the psychology, the behavior, the needs, the desires, the fears, the insecurities, the hopes of that person. You should be able to finish that their sentences and know exactly what's going on in their head and really just stay in those first two things and continue to iterate. And as you start to tap into what is working and what is solving the problem, the third step, which is also a big challenge, is to, to get really bold with it, to think, I see where this is going, but what if it was 10 times better? What if it was 10 times bigger? What if I accomplish this 10 times faster? Like, how would that look? And so, you know, one of the things now I asked every single person on my team on a regular basis is if I gave you 10 times the budget. So like, you know, let's say you're, you're an iOS developer at TripScout. I'll say, okay, if I gave you $100,000 to go hire a team, to go use any technology you want to go build anything you want, how would you spend that? Like, what would you possibly, like, what are you, what are you not doing now that you would love to be doing if like just people, time and money was not an issue? And you get some very fascinating answers. And sometimes that's a very hard question to ask. So then I usually ask if, if that's getting hard. It's like, what is $1,000 you can spend to make your life easier or better or more efficient at work? And then usually people end up having like a few things that they would love to do that end up leading into like what they would then do with a, you know, a hundred thousand. So I really, you know, it just comes down to get something out there, obsess over your customer and talk to them and learn from them. And then once something starts working, get, get big and bold. I love that advice. I don't even want to ask you any more questions because that's the best advice. I think it's inspiring for people to be able to go and do that, to be able to take action on that. How can people connect with you? Well, I already know the answer. Go Conrad is your handle on social media. Trip Scout is the app that people need to download. I freaking love this app. You know, if you're you're traveling to brand new places in the world, it will give you the best recommendations. It is so much better than TripAdvisor. I said it there. I said it. Thank you. Um, it is. And people should connect with you. Let's continue the conversation. Hashtag brand therapy. I'm at Phil Palin. Lauren. I'm at the Lauren Moore. Conrad is go Conrad. And, and that's Conrad with a K. That's one of the one that everyone, uh, everyone doesn't get. You're right. I'm so used to writing it because you're, I think, the only Conrad I know. But that's true. And Good. one of the things I just uh, started doing, uh, which has been a really fun project, also came out of COVID, is um, my Facebook page, Go Conrad. I started realizing that I was having all these experiences traveling or I was talking to people like Andrew Zimmern. Uh, that were just like these fascinating conversations or fascinating experiences. I was learning so much, but I was quickly going from one to the next. And I realized like now's a time where like we to just pause and reflect. And so instead of going to the next country or have the next 
you know, learning, like, what did I really take from that one experience? And, you know, it's better to read one book and learn everything from it than read 100 books and forget what you read. And so I started using this time as, uh, during you know, quarantine to, to reflect on all my travels. So on my Facebook page, I'm creating a video each day of just, you know, three lessons from a different country or three lessons from an interesting conversation. So uh, I would encourage people. Usually I just say, yeah, you know where to find me. But that's a, that's a project that's been really fun and really uh, I think I'm getting a lot out of. So I would love for people to check it out. One video a day, you're a maniac. Wow. That's what you are, a maniac. I can barely do one video a week on YouTube. No, it's so great. There's so many great actionable takeaways from this conversation, Conrad with a K. We so appreciate it. And thank you for hanging out with us on Brand Therapy. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Phil and Lauren. I was so glad that I finally got to virtually meet you. 